Hi everyone, before I start this podcast, I want to just ask you all if you could complete the survey that's in the description of the podcast. It would really help me out. It's basically three questions, just like your age, your gender and where you're from. It would really help me as this podcast at the moment I'm doing completely for free, which is costing me a little bit of money, not too much, but it means that every once in a while, once this has all been filled out by enough people, that... I can maybe put the odd advertisement in before my podcast. Not often, like I said. I don't want to start being one of those podcasts that does it constantly, just like every once in a while, just to, you know, make up my expenses. And that's about it, really. But yeah, I really hope you enjoy this podcast. And it would really help me out if you could leave a review if you did enjoy it. If you have the time, of course. Anyway, enjoy the podcast, guys. When I was younger, every year for Christmas, I would drive upstate to my aunt's house along a stretch of highway. I cannot for the life of me remember what the name of this road was. All I know is that it runs nearby Akron, New York at some point. However, most of the drive is through rural areas with little to no towns nearby. So it was the dead of night and my groggy self had gotten off my shift and had to drag myself to my aunt's house since my extended family was expecting me the following morning. Near halfway through the drive, I realised how low on gas I was, which irritated me. My brother told me he had filled it up the day before, so he either got or was straight lying. I saw an archaic looking sign for a gas station off the next road. It wasn't an official road sign, literally a pole with a slab of metal attached with gas off the next exit or something along those lines painted on it. That seemed a little sketchy, but people do the same thing for fruit stands on highways, so whatever. I pulled off the next exit on some dilapidated country road in the dense woods. The whole thing was creepy and surreal. I kept expecting Leatherface to come running out the trees with a chainsaw. Anyway, eventually I came across the gas station and realised quickly it hadn't been open for years. It was all rustled and convenience store roof was caving in. The gas pumps had all been taken out as well. I pulled over next to it and checked my gauge. I'd probably only make it for another half mile before running out. So I called AAA and they said they'd send the truck over. Now I played the waiting game. I left my engine on so when the headlights were off everything was pitch black and my paranoid self wasn't sitting next to an abandoned gas station in the middle of a forest in complete darkness. So most of the way it went uneventful until I sensed movement around the side of the old store, where my lights were pointed. I looked up, but I didn't see anything more, so I looked back down at my phone. Then, over the sounds of the night, I hear someone yell, Hey buddy, come in here, in a demanding tone. I look up, and I shit you not, there's a dude standing by the old store, looking towards me, illuminated by my headlights. He looked like the run-of-the-mill homeless guy, I was honestly spooked and figured he must have been squatting there. Still watching him, I rolled down my window and yelled something like, Yeah, what's up? Still mentally crapping myself. I had my foot ready to floor it out of there at the first sign of trouble. You got change? Nah, sorry man. I looked up at him. He had this kind of vacant expression, as if standing stiff. Then I see more movement. There are heads. Uh, 20 or so heads peeking around the trees beyond this man as I'm talking to him. I can't see them clearly, but there's definitely people, literally just heads, staring in my direction from around the trees. 
I see another guy beginning to walk from around the gas station, and then I turned around and sped off. I got as far away from that place as my tank could carry me and updated AAA on my location. The driver came back over and filled me up, and I didn't say anything. But after he left, I wanted to call the cops, so I called the nearest town sheriff department. They said they'd send a trooper over, and I gave them the location. When I got to my aunt's house, they called me back and said whoever was there was gone, but they could tell a large number of people had been living there for a while. Blankets, canned food, the usual. The whole situation still freaks me out, but frankly I can consider myself lucky that I will always have such a creepy story to tell. I'm just glad that nothing bad happened. This happened a few years ago with my friend June when we were maybe 17 or 18. I'm 23 now. We were out driving around late at night on the country back roads. We were teenagers growing up in a rural area, so going for a drive was one of the main ways we passed time. We were both into golf stuff and witchcraft at the time, so we pulled off to the side of the road to walk around a small graveyard in the woods. It was impossible to see at night, but we'd gone there a few times in the day before, just to hang out. The whole area is heavily forested, but the path to the graveyard is short. It's right next to the road, just barely hidden in the woods. Anyway, we started slowly on the small loop that takes you around all the gravestones, using our flashlight to read the names and look at the carvings on the stones. I was very comforted by the graveyards and the night at the time, so I was honestly very relaxed, and we mused about ghosts and death and whatnot, as goth teenagers do. About halfway around the loop, at the furthest point from the car, June got my attention as she noticed a light in the woods. It looked far away, like it could have been a car on the road, so we turned away and kept walking. However, about 30 seconds later, she got my attention again and the light was much closer and obviously quickly moving towards us. And then I heard the sound of someone crashing through the woods. It was obviously someone with a flashlight making a beeline towards us as we backtracked and ran to the car. I unlocked it and climbed into the driver's seat, turning the car on as fast as I could. And right before the lights came on, this huge, grizzly looking man dressed head to toe in camouflage, carrying a huge crossbow and wearing a black headlamp, busted out of the foliage and was coming right for the car. He had this manic look in his eyes that made me want to escape even more, and I reversed as quickly as I could and peeled out of there. We didn't even stop driving for a while. Even though we never saw him following us after we drove off, we both couldn't shake the feeling that we were being followed. Finally, I think we both got too tired to stay out any longer, and we went back into our houses. But I still constantly think about how quickly he got to us. If we hadn't sprinted right when we did, he would have caught us just as we were getting into the car. I literally slammed my door about a second before he came barreling out the woods towards us. Plus the fact that there are no houses nearby, this person was waiting in the woods in full hunting gear with a weapon, and we clearly weren't animals as we had a flashlight and there isn't a no trespassing sign in sight, the whole area around this graveyard is in State Park. I go out to the woods and to these weird places at night a lot, and I've seen some stuff I would consider supernatural that really scared me, but none of those things ever truly made me afraid to go into the woods like he did. I still go out on my own, but I never really let my guard down like I used to do. I've lived in New York City all my life. 
I have countless stories I can tell you about this city, but this one takes the cake for sure. I live in one of the safest and most affluent neighbourhoods in all of Brooklyn, near the Verrazano Bridge. My friends and I, being high school students at the time, would use fake IDs to get into this college bar in Manhattan most weekends. There is one train line that serves my neighbourhood, and even then is a decent walk to get to the nearest station. On this night, my friends and I left our neighbourhood and boarded the train. Everything was totally fine on the way to the bar, it's one straight shot right there. We had a pretty decent time. I left the bar around 3 in the morning, and my friends decided they would stay at one of my friend's grandparents' houses in the neighbourhood next to mine, as not to get caught by their parents, which served by a different train line. We boarded the train and headed toward my neighbourhood, but my friends disembarked about 7 or 8 stations before I needed to get off, so that they could transfer to the other train line. As I said before, my neighbourhood is very affluent, and most people don't use the subway and opt for cars instead. It's a semi-suburban, imagine a mix of New Jersey and a scene out of Saturday Night Fever. Therefore, I was the only person in my car. Two stops after my friends left the train, a man wearing a stuffed black backpack entered the car and sat down in one of the corner seats, next to an advertisement plastered on the wall. I paid little attention to him, but anyone boarding the train at 3am in my area would be kind of unnerving especially because of his shabby appearance, not homeless, but definitely hadn't showered in a few days. My eyes stayed glued to the phone for about 5 minutes, until my attention was ripped away from AFK Arena due to the man removing a large permanent marker from his backpack. He began writing on the advertisement and smiling every so often, as if he wanted me to acknowledge whatever he was scribbling down. The man began by drawing a hangman with several religious crosses surrounding him, and then began to write phrases on the advertisement. The end is near, you'll pay for your sins, the awakening is upon us, etc, etc. Normal things for a super religious person to write or say, even if it was unnerving that this was happening at 3am on an empty train. I tried to shrug the situation off, but didn't want to freak myself out, as I tend to overthink things like this. However, the next time I looked up at the advertisement, he had written, make sure you check behind you on your way home, and then gave me that unnerving smile once more. At this point, I was really freaked out. I was still semi-drunk, and my anxiety disorder was not helping anything to the situation at hand. I got up and moved to the opposite end of the car. My station was next, so I thought I was just dealing with some loony and that I'd be fine. As I exited the train, the man exited as well. Now here's where I felt like I was in danger. He was following me, with a blank face, no smile, no making sure that I was paying attention to his actions, just blank. I began briskly walking through my silent neighbourhood. No one was out, it was 3am for god's sake. The man trod behind me with his backpack the entire way home, and I made sure to double lock my doors once I got inside. I didn't tell my mum because I knew she'd have a 10 times the panic attack that I did on the train. When I entered my room, I peered out the window. There was the man, staring blankly at my front door. He stood there for about five minutes before leaving, trailing off into the darkness. I have no idea what the man wanted from me, or why he followed me off the train. To this day, I still make myself believe that he was simply deranged, or had some sort of mental illness. Not that he had any sinister intentions.
since that moment I started working at this restaurant six months ago. The alleyway behind the restaurant has always given me an uncomfortable feeling. To gain a layout of this restaurant, it's located in the middle of downtown, five minutes from the Mexican-US border. Since we're located in the tip of Texas, in the Rio Grande Valley, the alley itself is not located right behind the establishment. You must walk past this patio, then past our garage, until you reach the side back door that you have to prop open as the door locks behind you once it's closed. During the day, I'll usually see people walking back and forth across the alley when I go to take out the trash. It's typically a safe location though, as it is also prominent for homeless people. They're usually harmless, despite a few that are notably mentally ill. My colleagues have even gotten to know a few, and have given leftovers whenever possible. I work as part of the kitchen staff at this restaurant, and most of the time will work past 10pm. At night my boss usually never lets the woman take out the trash just to be safe, especially as a petite 5'5 Hispanic 28 year old female. Anyway, since quarantine started, our kitchen staff has become quite small, so I'll usually help take the trash out when the other men are working. This night was pretty slow, and my fellow co-workers and I were encouraged to clean up and leave early. At around quarter to ten, I decided to get two of the slightly full trash bags and take them back out myself, assuming someone would see my actions and take the other two after me. As I walked past the patio in the garage, my gut began to fluster. I got to the back door and paused. Maybe you should wait, I told myself, but the smell protruding from the bags was nauseating. I pushed the door open and propped it open with a brick we usually kept nearby. The alley was dark and silent. The air felt menacing. The only light illuminating was from the bulb above the door. I walked quickly towards the bins and lifted up the top and dumped the trash. Then slowly a man stood up from the other side of the dumpster. He wasn't very big but he looked older. He was sweating but his demeanour seemed agitated. He must have been crouching for some time and waiting. I jumped back holding my hand above my heart that seemed to be pulsing through my chest. The man looked at me, eyeing me as my steps moved backwards. He shook his head, motioning for me to stop. He was far too close for me to outrun him. I looked at his bushy dark brows and dark black eyes. Most of him was still cloaked in the night as it surrounded us. His clothes didn't look homeless, but I still assumed he was since it's common for them to be out here at this hour, usually waiting for food. I told him I had no leftovers, but he shook his head again and took out a medium-sized knife. My eyes widened as I took a breath. The following exchange took place in Spanish, but I'll translate. I don't have my purse, I was working, I'm still working. Just come with me, he said, with his knife as a pointer. My mouth grimaced, having no idea where this small amount of courage came from. My friend's coming right now with the rest of the trash. No, come now, he said, more hurriedly, and stepped closer and I stepped back again, speaking again with a little more tenacity. They all saw me come over here, and there's more trash coming right now. He's outside right now, I just need to tell you. You're not gonna scream, I'll gut you. To this day, I don't know what came over me, but I replied with, watch me. We looked at each other, daring each other, but then both heard footsteps coming from inside the garage, and he ran past me. I stood there, breathing again, I don't even know if I was holding my breath. I turned to see my friend John come out the door. We're almost done over, he stopped after seeing my face. What happened? 
I explained everything as tears ran down my face. My friend decided to run down the alley to try and catch him, even though I told him not to, and that he's gone by now. It was just five minutes until he came back. John relayed to me that no one was around except for some homeless guys we were familiar with. He asked them if they saw anyone running from the alleyway, and they said yeah, but they didn't recognise the man, as he took off in the opposite direction towards the border. John took me back inside and told us what happened. They called the cops whose station was pretty close by. They sent someone to patrol the area and gather a description from what I gave. My boss let me leave early and John walked me to my car. He told me it's too bad we don't keep a camera back there. It would have been cool to see how I handled that guy. I smiled slightly but my stomach was still in knots. He looked at me and apologised. I moved my hand to stop him but I told him it was fine. Unfortunately, I still work there, but I've been excused from trash duty from now on. Obviously, they never found him. I don't want to think about what would have happened to me if it was more complicit. Something gave me the courage to argue back with him, and thank goodness that my friend came out just in time. So, man waiting behind the dumpster, I hope we never meet again. I'm a 31 year old woman. This happened a few years back when I was walking from a friend's house to meet my son's father at a bar we frequented in those days. It was winter, icy and snowing, with giant piles of snow all around. I was walking from a friend's house around 9pm down an alleyway that served as a driveway area for many houses. Not a great neighbourhood, but not particularly bad either. I was wearing my apocalypse boots. Waterproof, knee-high, winterproof. I usually have headphones in blaring music while I walk, but that night, for some reason, I decided not to. In hindsight, that's what saved me. I'm about the equivalent of two or three blocks away from the bar. There's a younger guy, early 20s, walking about 50 feet behind me. Hey, you! I turn around, and it seems like he's talking to someone else. Hey! I look back, and then continue walking. Hey, yeah, you! No, don't turn around, sweetheart. I start to walk faster as I realise it's getting closer. Ahead of me, I see an SUV running, backed out of a parking spot but blocking my path. I turn around, there's another guy. The door to the SUV opens and there's a couple of guys in it looking at me. One gets out and stands by the open door. I turn back to look at the guy behind me. Out of nowhere, about five more guys come out, surrounding me from a distance, slowly closing in. The realisation that they were hiding behind piles of ploughed snow hits me. I realise they're just standing and watching me. A couple of them had their phones out and were recording something that was about to go down. No one was smiling, but were closing in on me, trying to get me to walk to the SUV. Fight or flight kicked in and decided that I didn't want to know what was about to happen. I wanted to catch them off guard, so instead of running forwards, I bolted to the left. Thank god for those boots, I could run across ice with no problem. I ended up cutting through yards and made it to the bar. Guys trying to get me in the SUV while filming, I don't know what you wanted to do with me, but let's never meet again.